Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Friends Show and another wacky week in South Africa. Today, I'm joined by Mr. Terence Corrigan. Terence, how are you doing, sir? Well, wacky week in South Africa. What can you say? Indeed, indeed. And also, Miss <laughs> Sarah Gon. Sarah, how are you doing? Fine, thanks. Um, you know, annoying things happening on the political scene. What can I say? Indeed. Uh, so let me start off with a good news story, because uh, we really don't have enough of those. And uh, it's, it's a good news story with a little bit of a caveat. Uh, I won't go too into detail on it, but uh, apparently there's been a police operation in KZN where four people have been arrested, including a scrapyard owner for being in possession of stolen copper cables worth 2.3 million rand. Um, there was this big police operation, which we don't have to get into, but basically they went into the scrapyard and they found all this copper cable and then they asked the, the scrapyard owner where you got it from and he couldn't explain it. And they say they're going to further charge him uh, with charges relating to economic sabotage, whatever that means. Okay, so I hope that uh, the people responsible are prosecuted. It's good, good that they are catching some guys slightly higher up the chain rather than just the thieves themselves um, because it's important to dismantle these things, but may it, may it long continue. Okay, so let's get into our first full story of today, and this is some comments made by President Cyril Ramaphosa. He was speaking at the United Democratic Front, UDF's 40th anniversary event, and he said that he is forced to concede that Indian colored and white citizens in South Africa feel excluded from South Africa's political life and that the ANC was partly to blame. Uh, he talked a little bit about how the, the UDF slogan during the fight against apartheid had been the UDF unites, apartheid divides, uh, and that they needed a new sort of focus now because there's uh, an initiative to restart the UDF, which disbanded back in 1991, um, to tackle the new enemies, as Ramaphosa described them, of poverty and unemployment, the new enemies of the people, as he called them. Uh, he said, many in our country, including some who are gathered here today, are disappointed that the non-racialism unity embodied by the U United Democratic Front has been lost. Too many, it has, to many, it has been supplanted by the ethnic chauvinism and factionalism, even in the liberation movement, the ANC. Uh, so, Terence, let me start off with this. Um, a rare kind of, I would say, complete open endorsement of, 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 of sort of non-racialism. Um, and and uh, by, by President Ramaphosa, who tends to, shall we say, not really get involved in these things. But what frustrates me about this is he's sort of talking almost as though he's not president of the country, as he's just kind of some political commentator. Um, what do you make of these comments? Rama Chameleon. Um, yeah, you know, actually, if you uh, remember, Culture Club was big when the when when, when the UDF was, was around. Just uh, you know, strange coincidence. No, look, um, I said this is, uh, you know, Ramaphosa sounds like, you know, often of, often sounds like the guy who gets stopped at Bangkok Airport with this, like, funny stuff in his bag and trying to explain to the Thai policeman that I didn't actually pack it. Um, no. Uh, um, I, 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 I'm, I'm left, I, I'm left in a way, you know, sourly speechless on this. Uh Let's remember that 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 Ramaphosa is known for using the phrase "our people" 
you know, very clearly demarcating who's in and who's out. Uh, his government... Uh, and, and our you know, people, it's clear, usually doesn't mean South Africans as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the question of, uh, of, of, you know, members of, of, of racial minorities... Yeah, you know, you can go. You you can sort of go back into the um, into the late nineteen nineties. Um, the you know by 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 the nineteen ninety nine election, there were people in the ANC sort of darkly warning um, Indian voters in KZN, "You need the ANC. The ANC doesn't need you." Um, uh, I remember when the um, uh, when the BE regulations were. Uh, was, was sort of expanded off record challenge to include Chinese people. Uh, you know, the, the, the Minister of Labor saying, oh, I know I'm, they're not coloreds because coloreds speak Afrikaans. I mean, it's sort of crass racial tub thumping. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's, 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 it's thoroughly ridiculous. You know, right now you've got, um, uh, you've got Malema, he's consciously pressing, um, uh, pressing panic buttons for whites. Uh, you know this kill this kill the boer, kill the farmer stuff. All you know, if 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 from a poser takes any of this seriously, just I'm not saying take him to court, have him arrested or whatever. Come out and say actually this is this is like way bullshit. You know, let's you know we've got to we've 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 got to move on. And then you can you know you can you can do that without abandoning you know the affirmative action or whatever. But uh, yeah, as you say, the sort of um, Ramaphosa standing around with a who farted look on his face. I don't know what's happening around me, you know. I'm shocked. Where did all of this racism come from? It's just, it just well, grew out of something, you know, nothing to do with me. But, <laughs> but you know, there's, there's, there's something else. The, um, the ANC, I think, uh, Brian Pottinger's book uh, uh, gets into this. Anthony Butler also wrote something about this, this uh, sort of superglue attachment it has to, 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 um, uh, to its past. I mean, all of its legitimation and you know its orientation focuses backwards so you know looking back constantly looking back to the struggle as the source of your inspiration almost the place where you wish you you know uh, from which you wish you had never escaped um mm. you know I, it I, I maybe maybe i'm being presumptuous here but i can't help thinking that millions and millions of people who participated in things like the rent boycotts and Whatever, and these things were, you know, often had very, very murky, grey, you know, grey areas in them. Um, I think it's a danger to romanticize. I think many of them hoped that they would be able to leave the stuff behind, you know, get on, become middle class, get, you know, um, uh, uh, get a good job, and see their kids with a better life. Right. You know, it is interesting to me when you look at kind of the history of the ANC. I think a lot of the reason for the ANC's success is really kind of in the UDF, because in my understanding of the UDF, really. It was a thing that attracted a lot of people essentially into the ANC's orbits who were, um, and from all across South African society, who were, you know, genuinely committed to the country, uh, were often skilled or educated. And this, this, is, this was a great big force that helped the ANC really become uh, the force that it is in South African politics today. And it's uh, no mistake that, you know, the UDF, not always, but most of the time was pretty committed, I think, to non-racialism. Um, and that the ANC was at its height when it did have actually some genuine commitment to non-racialism. Of course, uh, that has very much gone away. And, uh, you know, the ANC is now left with this sort of thing where it will go from 
you know, as you you know, you talked about some incidences there of, of, of the kind of racial division and and rhetoric that the ANC uses, but then still declares itself a non-racial organization. In fact, sometimes it has to twist itself into this pet, uh, pretzel shape of declaring that the racial rhetoric it's using is in fact non-racial, <laughs> which is very distorted and perverse. Um, Sora, maybe that's a Thai police officer. Yeah, not be too impressed. Um, so we, there was also an address by Popo uh, Molefe, um, who's a former Northwest Province Premier, um, saying that uh, daily we are witnessing concerted efforts by anti-democratic forces to reverse the advances toward nation building that we have begun making. Political parties of all stripes are not helping to consolidate our democracy, accountability, and provision of basic sustainable services. Instead, they spend valuable time shouting at one another and neglecting their constitutional obligations. This is at the, the same UDF event. Um, what do you make of all of this, Sora? Uh, I, I, I quite admire Paul Malefi. He's generally been a good guy. Um, I think he was the chairman of PRASA, and he, he's tried, he tried to unearth all the uh, corruption. But you, as, as, as Terence said, it was very much, or as you said, as very much the UDF was a formation of its time. It filled a gap that the ANC couldn't fill because of its circumstances. So into the, as you say, into the orbit of the ANC came people, organizations and people from civic society, religious society, trade unions. So you really had uh, quite an injection of both commitment and skill and talent into, into the UDF. And, and as, as Terence said, some not so kosher uh, elements, um, you know. <laughs> but... The very idea that, first of all, what, what Popo Malefi said is just a cliche. I mean, it, it absolutely says nothing. I mean, if he'd said, you know, the ANC is ruining the country and the opposition parties must try and get together to to uh, take over, I would have paid more attention. But it was the standard thing that, you know, the, and the, the parties are fighting with each other and um, the constitutional project is dying and... Uh, you know, it's a, it's just rubbish. Um, I think the problem is that, uh, as you just say, I echo all the feeling, the, the comments about you know Cyril standing aside and observing all this non, all this racialism that is now become non-racialism. And you know, he, the frog boiler, is is was a key uh, sort of so, um, totem of that. Um, so, so there is that. But I think the problem is that the UDF was very much a formation of its time with the types of organizations that existed at the time in the circumstances. To resurrect something like the UDF now would be an unutterable failure. We are past the days where, you know, we're past the days of struggle where people or organizations were filling in for other organizations that were banned or marginalized or whatever it may have been. Um, now we're in party politics and, you know, the, ANC's managed to destroy the country pretty much on its own. It, it can't gather that that grouping together. And if that grouping wanted to have it, if a grouping wanted to have any um, recognition, it would have to be separate from the ANC. I mean, we've got the the hundred and fifteen big businesses signing up to their thing. If I think anything more than that, and it's just going to look farcical. I think the other thing to bear in mind with the ANC is that the ANC became. Non-racial, non-racial, very reluctantly, very, very reluctantly in the late sixties. Um, so I don't think it's in its, naturally in its DNA. And also, you know, obviously we know the, the politicking of, you know, 
white monopoly capital and slamming and, you know, destroying and encouraging people to immigrate and we don't give a damn, you can go type of thing. So he's right, but I didn't trust him with the idea as far as I could throw him and I don't think the UDF or anything similar to it is pertinent anymore. Terence, yeah. any final thoughts? I think that I, I, there's, there's, there's a couple of things. First of all, um, you know, the idea of, being, of the UDF being creature of its time, I think, first of all, it, 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 it must, be, must be recognized that, that it did function as the internal wing of the ANC. Mm -hmm. During the 1980s, it vigorously denied that. I think in 1990, uh, I think all but one of the national executive came out as underground members. So, um, yeah, look, you know, that, 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 that is what it is. Um, it, uh, engage, it, it engaged in certain, um, in, in certain activities that were, let's say, less than, uh, uh less than unitary. I, I, if I remember correctly, when they were launched, they said any organization could affiliate with them apart from in Carter. Um, you know, there was a lot, you know, there was this, this, this emerging, uh, a conflict. So, you know, this, this, this wasn't just about, uh, this wasn't just about winning some sort of. Uh, some sort of freedom. This was also about, you know, who was who, who was going to rule. But yeah, but here's the thing: the sense that 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 you can, that you can resurrect this, um, I think, is the the uh, the lie is given by the fact that you have the president of the country delivering the keynote address. It'd be like Pete Kornhoff delivering the 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 welcome address to the um, you know to the UDF in Mich well, it was Mitchell's plane in 1983. Sorry, you know, yes, things th uh, 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 things have changed. And finally. I think that um, what you see there is a gasp of a strain of political culture that goes through a lot of, um, let's say, the UDF's inherit, uh, um, uh, inheritors. That you know we desperately need the need the constitutional project to work. We need development. We need this. We need to combat, uh, 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 combat corruption, and all of this we need to be done by the ANC as the natural leader of South Africa. So there's a um, there was a very interesting paper written by uh, the Centre or published by the Centre for Civil Society, very left wing um, uh, research body, about the treatment action campaign. And there's a there's a comment there from one of the um, uh, from from one of the leading lights. I forget the guy's name right now, and he said we could accept I, um, an ARV package from the uh, from the ANC or the New National Party, which still exists at the time it was written. We could not accept it from the Democratic Alliance. In other words, the treatment action campaign, campaigning for for people's lives, would not take it if it did not come from uh, you know from their um, uh, uh, from their the uh, sort of uh, neck of the political woods. And I think until and, and until you get beyond that, uh, South Africa is doomed to simply repeat the um uh, uh, uh repeat the pathologies right and i will just say uh, expanding on my point from earlier that uh the anc was at its strongest when it embraced south africans from all walks of life and all races and all yeah, creeds and all these sort of things and it has fallen into dysfunction and chaos when it became more race racialist and more kind of extractive and vengeful and focused on itself so Never mind the country, the ANC would do better if it returned to its non-racialism uh, of the past. Um, yeah, it would also be good for the country too, but uh, you know, I don't think the arguments like that seem to have much sway on the ANC these days. Uh, <laughs> but uh, let's, uh, let's move on to our next story. Um, also, once again, speaking of Ramaphosa, the South African Reserve Bank has said that uh, it has finished and put out, at least to the people it's going to put it out to its report, on um, the Palapala stuff, on the money that was stolen from uh, uh, Brahma Pause's 
couch, <laughs> which still to me is just insane. Uh, the the large number of US dollars that was apparently being hidden in this couch. It's finalized its investigation. And it says that it cannot conclude that Ntaba Nyoni estates or President Cyril Ramaphosa flouted foreign exchange control laws. Um, they say, due to legislative requirements and constraints which apply to the Saab, the report by Saab into this matter is a private internal report and will be not be made available to the public. They went on to explain the report. The initial phase involved a consideration of internal information and databases and analysis of cross-border foreign exchange transactions over the relevant period. This was followed by a more comprehensive phase involving FinServe requesting and receiving additional information and documents supplemented by statements and or affidavits and thereafter conducting interviews with various individuals and liaising with other parties. FinServe also sought and obtained legal advice in relation to its investigation and the processes it followed based on the information, documentation, evidence received, considered as part of the investigation. They finalized their report and found that they could not conclude, is the word, the, the phrase they used, that Sir Ramaphosa broke the law here. So the headline was, um, I think this is on News 24, Ramaphosa off the hook as Saab releases its Pala Pala report. Sorry, what do you make of this? Well, I, I noticed in reading that report that Saab did say that this that in no way affects any other form of investigation. In, in other words, you know, this is the only thing we were looking at. And I'm sure, I'm sure the mandate was very tight and very much in terms of Saab regulations. I don't know. I just kind of, I, I mean, I know that when I, if I've had the for, good fortune of traveling overseas and I've come back with foreign currency, I'm supposed to return it to, I'm supposed to declare the foreign currency. Obviously, only me, you know, not the powers that be. I, you know what? I, let's let's put. And I think, look, insofar as there's anything criminally illegal, I, I, I think Saab. It's not in, within Saab's mandate, and I think it's it's involved in a whole lot of other areas that would probably hush it up. Um, you know, he'd say so didn't contravene. Okay, that would have been an easy way to get him, was, you know, to say he contravened foreign exchange controls. But, you know, I'm not sure I care. I know that may sound very un-whatever of me. But, you know, there's something about the parlor parlor that I, I would like to see him meet the wrong end, if there's the wrong end to meet. But I, I, it's almost like, I don't care. We, we all know that the money probably came in to support his campaign for, for re-election. And... He, they behave stupidly hiding it in a couch and they deserve all the bad publicity and you know, what they get. And, you know, I, as I said, if, if at least, you know, investigate further, I, you know, I don't know enough about the uh, the, SOBs, the SOBs scope in with regard to uh, foreign exchange transactions to know, you know, to comment on whether it's right or wrong. I'm assuming it is right. Um, but I'm sure that's the least of it. And uh, But I'm not sure I care that anymore. Yeah, it's just there's something there's just so much there's something so negligent about all of this and so weird about having this huge pile of money being stored in a couch that you it's it's almost difficult to believe that something super illegal was not going on here. Uh, and at the very least, a staggering level of kind of negligence and incompetence. Now, yeah. to be fair, uh Ramaphosa was not apparently the one who made the decision to put the money in the couch, but that's still not great. Yeah, just to, just to say an answer to that is is it um, you know the, 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 that was so keystone copsish in its in its own way that it, it provided probably what we needed from 
from from the situation more than actually any result. Terence, what do you make of all this? Well, I'm just going to go back to that Thai policeman at the airport. You know, you try to explain what you're doing with what, like, how many million American dollars in your bag and as uh, or you know like tins of white powder and you see how far that gets you what what what, what struck me about this and I'm not quite I don't know I think that I, I I can't shake the uh, the vicious suspicious feeling that they phrased this as obscurely as they could so that uh, you know your ordinary dumbass like me can't fully understand it but it seems that they were giving they were giving him a pass on this because uh, the Sudanese businessman hadn't actually received his cows, was buffalo. So it was like the transaction hadn't been perfected, which I, which I gather means it hadn't been completed. So there was no entitlement to this money. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Look, uh, as I say, uh, I'm, these, these guys at SARS probably know a lot more about this than I do, so I'm not going to question anyone's, anyone's uh, you know, professionalism. But yeah, I don't know. Look, if you if 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 you raid a gangster's place and you find a lot of money, uh, you know you and you you. I mean, does he get off on the basis that you didn't actually earn this and we wasn't declared? You know, you you don't get in trouble. No, look, I I, I don't know. I I I think at the very least, uh, release the report. I hear what they're saying about how it's personal, but you know, I do think that when one is the president of this great republic. Uh, expectation of privacy does fall off slightly. No, exactly. Does seem uh, to <laughs> Sarah, any final thoughts on this? No, no, I agree. I, th- I think you know this, this, this whole thing. I mean, I, I would, you know, I would push for that, and I would also ask to have put into the public domain Jacob Zuma's medical records. And then we could really have some fun. Yeah, so developed slight cough needs to be excused from jail. Um, okay, so our last story for today uh, is something that's been going on for 12 years, which is that the Health Professionals Council of uh, South Africa uh, was found back, uh, was, was found to have been using illegal regulations to control doctors since 2011. Uh, the council is supposed to register health workers and, and you know, keep a... Uh, vision on their conduct and that kind of stuff. Um, And uh, it was found that in November 2011 that it had been using illegal regulations according to the Competition Commission and that uh, these regulations amounted to anti-competitive behavior. There was a report in 2015 um, against them urging the health minister to uh, stop enforcing some of these regulations uh, because they had been found by another part of government to be illegal. And 12 years later, nothing appears to have changed. In fact, uh, recently it seems that the South African Medical Association, which as uh, Sarah has explained to me, is the, uh, the private, uh, basically more private doctors and private healthcare professionals, is once again um, taking this up with the health minister saying, why are you enforcing these regulations? Why are you fining doctors for regulations that are, according to a different part of government, illegal? It just doesn't make any sense. And why has it been going on for 12 years? Yes. Um, Sorry, what do you make of this? Um, yeah, I, I had a little experience with the Health Professions Council of South Africa. I always had trouble with that, um, which echoed all the sort of corruption, incompetence, and, um, and delay that government uh, entities are 
accustomed to bringing us the public. Um, but essentially, um, by all accounts, the the new regulations would have had to have the the approval or the go ahead of the Minister of Health. And three ministers of health later never did anything about it. And the problem is, of course, one is obviously doctors losing money for things that should not have been uh, contraventions. And the other is possibly if, uh, reputational, depending on what the issue was that led to the fines. Um, but the 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 HPS the HPCSA is so so symptomatic um, of of the of the worst of the public service, and and I, I know the doctors, you know, after paying SARS, VAT, and and PAYE, the, the the thing they hate paying most is the annual fee to the HP because they never get supported by the HPCSA. They are mostly. Um, they're mostly sort of followed by them and, and charged and complained about. And they are, not, they are not friends to the people they register. They are very much there to pretty much make their lives a misery. Um, so this doesn't surprise me very much. Um, and the fact that our ministers didn't do anything about it doesn't surprise me very much either. I don't, I don't think this country has ever had a good Minister of Health. Not, not before 94 and not after 94. Um, I'm Probably just a little surprised that it took Sama this long to consider legal action. But to be, on, to be honest, Sarah, I don't think the country has been governed that well since 1910. <laughs> so, <laughs> 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 so uh, yeah, I don't think, I don't think that it, in the hundred, more but, than a hundred years since <laughs> Africa has been around, we haven't done a particularly good job at governance. Not one good health minister. Uh, Terence, once again, this just seems like another instance of um, of the kind of inertia that just you find it. It doesn't matter what level of government you go to or what policy you're talking about. There's just this kind of inertia that just prevents anything from ever changing. Well, I, you know, I think that that this this reminds me of the um, uh, of something that 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 our esteemed president once said in Parliament. You know, like we have something to the effect of we have exhausted our resources. <laughs> so who's this we and ours um you know you have resourced you, 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 you have exhausted ours um you know and there was a there, there was a meme you know doing doing the rounds i think it was from lucy gagaba during his uh, stint as finance minister we've stolen all the money now you must pay it back um but and i think that 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 yes you know when you when you create when you create an institution which um is not which lacks a sort of continuity or an understanding of what it's um, of what it's overseeing, it will default to what institutions do, which is exercise control. Um, and you know, uh, inertia can be an enormous um, uh, can be an enormous fa uh, factor, as you say, inertia just rolling it through. Uh, because this is because these this is the set of, of of rules we have. Yeah, they might like be illegal and whatever, and be destroying things. But you know that's your problem. Our problem is to enforce the laws that we have. Um, you know, uh, oh, you know, oh, for a for a for a state that functioned. Uh, Sarah, any any final thoughts just before we just close up with the idea of one more an story. aspect of this of this matter that illustrates everything we've said. The the organization has considered whether their legal advisor, their in-house legal advisor, should suffer for not having 
done anything about these regulations and, and creating new regulations and whether he should be got rid of. And they decided they don't need to get rid of him because these the Competition Commission findings came out before he was employed. All right, so the last story I just very briefly want to talk about um, is this uh, this comment by Theo Diago, who's executive director of the Southern African Agri Initiative, um, where he recently said that he found a whole bunch of solar panels were damaged. Um, and this was kind of weird, and these were often new solar panels. And it turns out, according to him, that there is a European company which is making solar panels uh, and then purposely breaking the edges of them to prevent them from being stolen. And this is specifically a thing they do for the South African market. Uh, unsurprisingly, due to the huge problems with load shedding, particularly in the first half of the year, we've seen a massive increase, according to this story, a uh, uh, five times, five-fold increase in the first quarter of this year as compared to the entirety of last year of how many batteries South Africa has imported. Um, and uh, so lots of solar panels are now being stolen because, of course, they are popping up all over the place and suddenly they're quite valuable. Um, anyway, just thought that's a very South African story that uh, there is a company out there breaking its solar panels just a little bit so that people don't, <laughs> don't want to steal them um, in the South African market. Okay, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, and I hope that you all have a wonderful day. We will see you tomorrow with the Daily Friend Wrap, which should be out at five tomorrow. And uh, have a good one. Cheers, everyone.